We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to the fantastic world of Hannah and Barbera, a celebration of Bill Hannah, Joe Barbera, and the thousands of people past and present who have shared in their entertainment tradition. And now your host, Greg Airbar. Thank you, Chris Anthony, and welcome. Today's guest is a top writer in some of your favorite shows, both Hanna-Barbera and Live Action Primetime. He has a series of followings because of the series that he's worked on, and he is also the author of a book that involves his days in all of these, and people like Stan Lee and Gene Roddenberry and Joe Barbera. It is called Secrets Your Textbook Will Not Tell You About TV, Movies, and Life. My guest's name is Sandy Freeze, and I welcome you to the show. Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me. I mentioned to you a little earlier that I've listened to several of podcasts, and they're wonderful. And I, I love the idea of people paying tribute to how fantastic and magical a studio Hanna-Barbera was. So love the podcast, and I'm very happy to be here. That's a really, really nice thing for you to say, especially in view of the kind of stuff that you've done. Star Trek Next Generation and Quantum Leap. I mean, each one of those is a Comic-Con area, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could do a Comic-Con about any of those. Yeah. I co-wrote some stuff with Sam Simon, who was one of the three creators of The Simpsons. It wasn't Simpsons stuff, it was four shows that we created and wrote premises and all of that for together. Sam Simon got me my first job in animation writing and TV writing in general. Sam was a writer and artist at Filmation. Very cool guy. He's passed away. And at one point, Sam said to me, hey, Sandy, would you like to work at Filmation? And I said, yeah, that would be very cool. Why not? At this point, I had never written a TV show before. And Sam just called Lou Scheimer and said, hey, Lou, you should hire this guy, Sandy. And boom, I was hired at Filmation. Lou didn't even look at anything that I wrote. Based on Sam's recommendation, I got the job and I was off and running. My uh, enthusiasm is not exclusive to anyone. I love so much of this material. And Filmation had its own style and its own kind of wonderfulness. 
I think a lot of people would agree that Lou Scheimer was so good about hiring in people who didn't have experience, who became major in the industry. So he's to be appreciated. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people started at Filmation. The first meeting I was... I said, well, I'm in a meeting room with Lou Scheimer and some other writers, and they're talking about story. Wow, pretty amazing. And even when I was writing for Hanna-Barbera, or especially while I was writing for Hanna-Barbera, I don't think I ever lost that feeling. You know, I had many, many, many meetings with Joe Barbera, pitch meetings, and then outline meetings, and then script meetings, lots of meetings, lunches with Mr. Barbera. And through the many years, the feeling I always had in those meetings was, wow, I'm having a meeting with Joe Barbera. You know, it never faded. The appreciation, respect I had for him, I always call him Mr. Barbera, just out of a sign of respect, and he was a really, really amazing guy. Actually, of all the people I worked with, Gene Roddenberry, Stan Lee, Sam Simon, my favorite person to work for was Joe Barbera. He was never, never wrong on a note he gave me. A note for people who may not know is when a producer or network executive gives you a suggestion, it's actually not a suggestion, it's something they want you to do. On your story, your outline, your revision, whatever, this Barbera was never, never wrong on a note. He'd give me a note or a suggestion or an idea, and I'd go, oh yeah, that works better than what I had, that's very good. There were other meetings I had one was at Warner Brothers where I was doing a development deal on a movie and I'm not going to mention names, but I remember leaving one of the meetings going, how in the blank am I going to make these notes work? This is from, <laughs> this is from outer space. What yeah. the heck do they want? Yeah, I, I've experienced both. You know? and I, They're like those Dell crossword puzzle uh, special word games. It's like, how am I going to unravel this? <laughs> yeah, you know, on Star Trek Next Generation, obviously it's wonderful show. Delighted to have worked there as a staff writer, and I did other Star Trek projects too. But you would get notes from studio executives, from the executive producer, you know, Gene Roddenberry, from producers. There were several producers on the show. You would even get input from the actors. So you might get 10 sets of notes, mm -hmm. and some made sense, some improved the stuff, and some made you want to tear your hair out and say, what the heck do I do now? How do I make this work? Yeah. You know, holy mackerel. I want to clarify something for people who are listening who might say, well, why don't you just change it? And also those who say, why doesn't he just change it, who do give notes. When you're given a suggestion, sometimes it has a domino effect, and you have oh, to yeah. go back and fix so much more. Because it's like, oh, just do it. It's no big deal. You know, we work with the print people. That's just like telling, oh, it's just a quick change. No, it's lots of time. It could be lots of money. It, it throws the schedule off. It's not a matter of, I'm so brilliant, I can't deal with it. It has nothing to do with that because, you know, we all want the work to be good. We all want to cooperate with everyone. It isn't a matter of, how dare you? It's a matter of, let's do something constructive here. And you have to be careful because you don't want to be haughty, as you might say, but it's such a pleasure when you do work with someone who knows story, who knows writing, who knows the strategies and the things you need, it does make your work better. It's exhilarating when you get notes and suggestions from people who do that, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. And when I got a note from somebody at Star Trek or Quantum Leap or whatever, and I say, what's going to happen here? How is this going to work? Every element 
Mm-hmm. You know, a story is a algebraic equation. It's characterization plus universal theme plus cool visuals works on budget plus other elements equal a story that works. So when you change one character or you pull out a character and add two other characters, that changes the whole equation. It's a very, very multifaceted process for a writer. The other thing a lot of people don't realize is, for example, working as a staff writer in Star Trek Next Generation, one executive says, and this is just an example off the top of my head, let's make Captain Picard, instead of Captain E. Enterprise, let's change it and make him a waiter at a seafood restaurant. And then another executive at Paramount says, no, I think he should stay a captain. However, we need to, for a few episodes, make him a waiter at a delicatessen. Mm. So, so they're conflicted. And who do you listen to without getting into trouble? <laughs> exactly. Who do you listen to without getting into trouble? And how do you tell one executive that you cannot use his notes because of X, Y, Z? And then if you get a note from Patrick Stewart, that differs from a studio executive, you're saying to yourself, well, who do I potentially offend? Mm. And there's no easy way out unless you're a wonderful diplomat. So I've always said that part of being a TV writer is being a diplomat. Being a diplomat is very important. The other thing is, if I get a note from producer X, and he says, Sandy, this doesn't work, change this, and I say, I think it works, I think it works, there's a lot of subjectivity to that. Mm-hmm. You know, script writing is a very subjective form of writing. You know, maybe what I think is a note that doesn't work is a note that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of subjectivity to it. Mr. Barbero, I thought was brilliant. If I pitched him an idea for a story that he didn't like, he would never say, no, Sandy, forget it. That's not going to work. That's no good. If I pitched Mr. Barbero a story idea for a script, that he didn't like, he'd go, you know, Sandy, uh, let me take that under consideration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I would kind of laugh to myself, and I remember once, you know, I thought that was pretty funny. I remember once I said to him, yeah, let me take that under consideration. <laughs> that means you don't like it, right, Miss Barbera? He said, that's exactly right, Sandy. <laughs> but the thing that I loved about it was he made a, a cool little joke out of it. He didn't say, no, this is bad, right. this doesn't work. He turned it into a joke, and I smiled because I thought it was clever, and it was kind of a funny joke, and I just love that kind of stuff. It's people remembering that the other person is a person, too. You know what Eve Arden used to do? When a writer had a line that she wasn't comfortable with, she wouldn't say that. She would Uh say, look, I know you worked hard on this. I can make this work. I will make it funny. I will make it fit whatever, you know, but give some thought to maybe this way or that way. If you don't want to, fine. I'll make it sing. Whatever. How could you say no to Eve Arden anyway? Well, it's such a beautiful and kind and thoughtful and diplomatic way of putting it, what she did, that you have to respect her. Mm -hmm. Because what she is saying in subtext, in between the lines is, I'm a star, however, I have respect for you as a human being, and you've got your special talents. Mm -hmm. So that's the subtext of what you just said, Eve Arden said. The subtext is, I respect you. Could we please see if we could come up with a solution that works for both of us? Now, that works mm-hmm. with almost any kind of difference of opinion. What does not work is one producer I work with, name I won't mention, happened to another writer, not me. One producer with another 
writer friend script said in a meeting, this is blank, and threw the script against the wall. Oh, boy. You hear about that, yeah. That doesn't work for anybody. No. That doesn't work. You know, always go with the Eve Arden approach or the Joe Barbera approach. It's strategically, it's more effective, and morally, it's more effective. Yeah, it's partnership. And this is not two writers complaining, because there are great people out there. Great, great oh, yeah. people. I absolutely so delighted at the opportunities I've had as a writer. Everyone I worked with was, well, almost everyone I worked with was interesting or cool. There are some exceptions to that rule. This is Hanna-Barbera, so getting more Hanna-Barbera oriented. Phenomenal place. Just a phenomenal, wonderful, beautiful, magical place, Hanna-Barbera Studios. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed everybody I worked with at Hanna-Barbera. Everybody there was fascinating, interesting. It was just an idyllic, wonderful place to work. I loved Hanna-Barbera. It was a great place. Did you get assigned to things? How did the process work as far as you got onto things? Did you pitch ideas for a specific... that's a good question. I'll give you the process. Okay, I'll go from the start. I'm at home at my desk, and I have—I know I have a pitch meeting in three days with Joe Barbera. I think to myself, these are things I think about when I think of pitch ideas. You know, for Tom and Jerry kids, what's a visual place that's interesting? And I would think, oh, okay, medieval times. Yeah, that's interesting. So I came up with uh, an idea for a medieval episode with Tom and Jerry kids. Then I thought, what else is interesting visually? Uh, circus. And these are areas that some other people may have used as arenas, but you have to put your new fresh twists on it. So the first thing I would think of, what are cool arenas for visual funny stuff to happen? Mm-hmm. Then I'd write down about seven ideas that I liked, that worked. Then, when it's time for the meeting, I'll give you some of the steps, because people are interested in that sometimes get in my car, drive up to Hanna-Barbera Studios because it's a day to meet with Mr. Barbera to pitch him ideas. You go into the main gate. You say, hey, Bobby, how's it going? I say, as long as I knew Hanna-Barbera, Bobby was always a studio guard. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm remembering names correctly. He would let you into the studio lot. Mr. Barbera's car was right near where Bobby was posted. You drive into the studio and they had two buildings. One on the left was where a lot of the storyboard people, the visual people were, backgrounds, et cetera, et cetera, editing. The right side was the bigger building that had the Jetsons kind of deal going on. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go into that building. There's a reception area. The receptionist, hey, hi, Sandy, how's it going? Good. You have a little chat for a couple of minutes. Then you go into Mr. Barbera's office. Mr. Barbera had an assistant whose name was Maggie, and she had sort of an outer office, mm-hmm. right? And Miss Barbera had the coolest office I have ever seen in my life. Hey, but, uh, yeah, I've heard that. The coolest office on the planet Earth. Phenomenal office. It was sort of in an L shape. When you walk in on a ledge, a bunch of Academy Award statues and Emmy Award statues, and I remember the first time I had a meeting with him. He said, hey, Sandy, you want to lift a couple of these things to see how they feel? I said, yeah, sure, Miss Barbera, that would be cool. So you look at the Emmys and the Academy Award uh, statues, the Oscar statues. The coolest thing about his office all over were really cool stuffed animals, 
of all of his characters, mm-hmm. you know, all over the place, you know, Fred Flintstone, Yogi Bear, Tom and Jerry, and there were dozens and dozens and dozens of characters, and the beautiful stuffed toys. You would sit on a couch, Miss Barbera would say to me something like, hey Sandy, want some jelly beans? And I always take jelly beans, because Joe Barbera wants you to have some jelly beans. Absolutely. Jelly beans. Absolutely. I even saved as a memento about five jelly beans from his office. <laughs> I have them in an envelope. <laughs> These are important jelly beans. <laughs> and I remember one meeting, you know, I'm on the couch facing Mr. Barbera. He's sitting in a comfortable chair, and there's a desk in between us. And I remember one meeting, I said to him, hey, Miss Barbera, that's a really, really cool tape machine you got there. It was a super scope. You know, I'd never seen it that cool of a machine. He said, yes, yeah, it is cool. I like it. Do you want it? <laughs> Excuse me? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like it. You can have it if you want. You sure, Mr. Barbera? Oh, yeah. I got other ones. So he gave it to me. Oh, wow. And, and then when that one, after a couple of years, didn't work, he gave me another one. Very generous guy. So I'm sitting on the couch sitting directly in front of Miss Barbera in his very comfortable chair. A little bit of talk, how's this going, how's that going? And then I start pitching ideas. Here's an idea, Miss Barbera, blah, 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 blah. And then he might say, uh, uh, Sandy, um, uh, let me take that under consideration. <laughs> I go, okay, how about this one about the medieval thing and Tom and Jerry? And he goes, yeah, 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 we could do that. I could see a lot of gags. And he'd get up and he'd mime and talk about the gags you know Mm. like i remember in one episode it might have been the medieval mouse episode he's doing the movements of the characters and it's the characters have voices he does voices he's going okay so tom does this and he flips the mouse up into the air it's a pan the pan comes down and then it rolls up and then tom does that and jerry does and bowie's on the board he does the whole gag and it's a great gag except i don't understand so I'm looking at him, I'm trying to take notes, I'm looking at him, they go, um, uh, and he looks at me and he goes, Sandy, you had no idea what I was just talking about, did you? And I said, no, I'm totally confused, because he goes fast with the jokes and everything. And he said, okay, Sandy, let me draw it out for you. So he draws me sketches of the gag. You know, beautiful sketches, he drew very quickly, and he would draw out the gags and explain it to me again. Most of the time I understood what he was talking about, but occasionally he would be really fast and I would be a little confused. We'd talk about more possible gags for the story idea that he liked, and it was very fun. You know, we would both be laughing, and I heard from people outside of his office that they could down the corridor hear me and Mr. Barbera laughing at gags that we came up with. I'd go home, I would write, an outline, mm-hmm. send it in. Miss Barbera would read the outline, make notes on the outline with sometimes sketches. I would take the outline and then turn it into a script. And sometimes the script just went right through with no changes. Sometimes the script had Miss Barbera's handwritten notes and sketches on them. If I had to make revisions on a script, I would make the revisions and then I would send it in. Then the storyboard guy or woman takes it turns the script into a storyboard. Somebody does character designs if there are new characters in the script. Backgrounds are done. Animation happens. Roughly, if my memory's correct, three or four months later, you get your finished piece edited. Looks cool. Your name is on the beginning of the episode. You go, oh boy, cool. And that's the general process. 
you know, Tom and Jerry kids was in the 80s. And there would be this thought of, oh, well, by then he's just rubber stamping or he's barely looking or he's not even watching or whatever that is. But Bill Hanna and Joe Barbera, people who know them, know that they never stopped working. Hanna worked almost around the clock. They had hands-on direct contact with the cartoons you were watching just like in the 30s and 40s at MGM, or even all the way back to Collier's when he was writing gags, that's what he was doing. He was giving you his skill and experience. Uh, their name was on the building, but their name was on their work, too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I worked one-on-one with Joe Barbera. I didn't really have much to do with uh, Mr. Hanna because he's kind of a separate production oriented. Yeah. But I can tell you, not only Tom and Jerry kids, but I worked one-on-one with him on... Be Master Detective, the Screwball Squirrel remake, mm-hmm. there was Spike and Tyke, and on all of those, he was absolutely very involved on every element of the process. He was absolutely involved in the creative side of things tremendously, and it's great because he would always plus things. I can still watch some of those cartoons or animation or some of the stuff that other writers did where I go, oh, that sounds like a Mr. Barbera gag or a Mr. Yes. Barbera piece of dialogue. Yeah. I could tell visually or in terms of the dialogue, oh, yep, that was his thing. They had a very distinctive yeah. way of doing things. Yeah, there, really, there was a feeling to that. Again, it goes back to Tom and Jerry, Tom's expressions. He just had a brilliant mind. And now, folks, please stay with us for part two of our chat with the brilliant Sandy Freeze about two subjects seldom mentioned together, Gene Roddenberry and the Smurfs. (laughs) 